You can turn in your Bibles to Isaiah, the 41st chapter, the 10th verse. I intend to read it and quickly depart from it here in a minute. If you would stand with me in the honor of the reading of the word. Before I read, the last time I was here was about uh, three weeks ago, a little over that. And in that three-week period, uh, a good friend of mine who was involved in the development that God has done in me over the last two or three years, suddenly died and was gone. Went to his funeral a couple of weeks ago. It was more a celebration than a funeral. We mourn him as his family uh, suffers. But I envy him. Having faced death a few months ago, there's not the fear of that that there could be. I can tell you, you don't have to fear that. And uh, Ron Arnold, that quick, dropped dead. He's in eternity. And nobody in their right mind would wish him back. But we miss him terribly. And uh, he had an impact in my life. And uh, I can only thank God that uh, another saint made it home. We call this sermon this morning, From Fear to Fearless. And I think it's a very, very important subject, especially at this time in our lives, in our church life, in our country, in the world. I think uh, of the, uh, the church plant that is growing out. That's not the first one, and we hope it's not the last one. I think that's uh, a confirmation that the church is headed in the right direction when things grow out of it, whether it's missionaries leaving church plants, it is what it is, and it's the gospel going forward, and that's what we're to do. And so, uh, praise God, um, our prayers go with uh, you all as you start this church, as God starts this church. And so, excited. If you would, let's read Isaiah 41 uh, in the 10th verse. It says, fear not. I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to stand here behind the pulpit. God, we pray that you would bless. Lord, I'm incapable of this, but God, we lean upon you. We'll give you the honor, the glory, and the praise, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Don't be anxious for anything. That's a command from God, right in the Bible. He says, he'll strengthen us. And let me tell you something. This is not a rah-rah sermon. In fact, I've brought a formula with me. I've got your success formula right here with me this morning. God gave it to me. Um, it's not something that I came up with, and I can't wait to share it with you. I will guarantee you, if you go away from here this morning and follow this, you will live a fearless life. The definition of fear is an unpleasant feeling triggered by the perception of danger, real or imagined. Fear will make you say and do things 
that you normally would never do. In fact, if you'll look down at the snake at your feet right now, you'll do things different. Understand what I'm saying here? Fear. Some of you, a couple of you were ready to reach down and get him and play with him and scare the rest of us with him. But most of us were ready to get on our seat or empty the auditorium here. Fear will make you do things you wouldn't normally do. You stop and think about that. Fear. What is fear? Fear makes cowards of tough guys. We've all met that guy with a lot of bravado. Uh, one of my heroes in my life was my grandpa. Um, he fought in World War II. I talked about him several times. He told me a story. He said he was in basic training to go to World War II. He fought in Okinawa. Any of you that know about Okinawa know it was a horrible uh, fight. Through basic training, he said there was a man, uh, a young man. They were 18, 19, 20-year-olds. There was a guy that just bragged all the time. He was the toughest guy out there. He was the first one. He, was, he couldn't wait to get to the Pacific Ocean and kill some Japs. That was, that was his bravado. And my grandpa told me that they hit Okinawa, and the first bullets that flew over their heads, all they seen was taillights of that guy running, and they never seen him again, ever. He really wasn't that tough. He just, a lot of talk. Fear will make a coward of a tough person who thinks they're tough. The fear of facing reality has a whole world abusing drugs and alcohol. Fear of reality. Fear of getting up and facing the next day or facing... And you know what's sad about that is so often as sin does, what happens while under the influence is so embarrassing that it can't be faced and we go right back into the same cycle. I've seen it happen over and over and over again. And it's just this downward spiral that has no good ending but for God. Fear. Fear of reality. Phobias. Fear. Maybe it's been brought on by abuse. By a show of hands, does anybody remember the name Pam Babcock? Some of you will. Um, no reason that you should. But if you were to drive about 150 miles northwest of here to Nest City in 2008, Pam Babcock uh, was the subject of a EMT phone call. And they found her in the bathroom of her boyfriend's uh, trailer house. She had entered that bathroom two years before and refused to come out because she felt safe in the bathroom. And after about 18 months of him bringing her clothes and food and allowing her to live in the bathroom, she sat down on the toilet and refused to get up from the toilet. And they had to pry the toilet lid off of the toilet with a crowbar and take her to the hospital to have it removed from her. Why? Fear. He said, he asked her every day, please come out of the bathroom, and she said, maybe tomorrow. Fear will do things to you never. I mean, who would have ever thought someone would be so fearful that they couldn't even bear the thought of walking out of a bathroom? They couldn't leave a house. They could Fear. Fear. Uh, 
unimagined, right? There wasn't anything that would hurt or keep her from leaving. It was a phobia. It was a fear, mental issues. Fear makes a whole world shut down and hide from a virus. Now, I'm not downplaying the uh, severity of this virus, of COVID. Uh, had a dear friend just pass away within the last very few weeks. Uh, I have a brother-in-law who has a, a cousin in Missouri that we know that just came off of a ventilator. It is a serious thing. Uh, many of us, I would say there's nobody in the room whose family probably hasn't been affected by it, and many of us have had it, uh, and some still dealing with the aftermath of it. So I'm not talking about the severity. What I'm talking about is the fear that has gripped our world to the point that people attack each other over it. Um, I'm not on Facebook, but I, I'm sure that there's plenty of fights on Facebook. The Facebook warriors, you know, fighting it out uh, in grocery stores, wherever in the world, this fear that has gripped our world. And I want to say this about it. Fear can paralyze a person. It can cause them to shut down, go into depression. I, I've watched this happen. Fear will make a coward of a Christian. Fear of what people are going to think. Fear of what's going to happen. Because if you express your Christianity, it might cost you your job. Might cost you a lot more. Fear... The verse said, don't be anxious, not to fear. You see, I believe, and I believe I can show you in the Bible in the next few minutes, that the fear of this world is a devilish fear. It's been brought on by the devil. God gave us the emotion of fear. But like every other thing, whether it's uh, love or whatever other emotion and thing that God designed, the devil has done his best to turn it on its head and turn it against humanity because he wants to take fear or anything else to defeat you and see you in hell with him. I believe that fear, the fear of this world, is a devilish fear. Then the reason I believe that is God gave us a fear. It's a God-given thing. It'll keep us out of trouble at times. But go with me to Job, in the 28th chapter, and the 28th verse, if I can get there. It says, it's Job. By the way, he's had three friends stop by, good-meaning friends, and they've told him how terrible he is and how worthless he is. And if you read on past this verse into the next chapter, Job tells you that the herdsmen that worked for him, who have been, they don't, they're not even good to be herdsmen anymore, and they've been driven out of the camps, and they live out in the scrub bushes. God has so humbled Job that those men spit when they see Job. That's how far God has taken Job down. And his three friends have just told him how worthless he is. And this is what Job says. And he said to man, Behold, 
The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn away from evil is understanding. Fear of God. And I want to show you over the next few minutes that fear of God is not a fear and a trembling of waiting for a God to knock you off or a God that's setting waiting for the opportunity to get rid of you. That is not the fear. And a godly fear will make you free. I found it interesting in that verse, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding. It's the beginning of wisdom. You begin to fear God. Let me just say this. If you're unsaved here this morning, you're incapable of the proper fear of God. You cannot have. You can have a fear of spending eternity in a devil's hell, but God didn't intend you to have that kind of fear. He wants you to turn your life to him. And if you're here this morning and a Christian and you have spent time with God, you begin to, to have a fear that is totally different. Let's look at that and talk about it for a second. If you'll turn to Proverbs verses nine or chapter 9 and verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Exactly what Job was talking about. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Fear and wisdom, knowledge and insight. So I can tell you from experience, as a saved person, I found it interesting that we were talking this morning about prayer and fasting. If you start spending a little time in prayer and reading your Bible, it's not enough. And if you're only doing it five minutes a day, that's not enough. Do you understand we're the bride of Christ? And if you are going to get married to someone, you're going to spend every moment you can with that person, or you probably shouldn't marry them. If that person isn't the one that you want to be with the most... And by the way, after 31 years, I still feel that way. So that's the person I want to spend the most. If we're going to be his bride, we're going to want to spend some time with him. That's where this fear comes in. It's not a scared fear. It's, a, it's an awe. Let me tell you something. When you get down on your knees and realize that you have just been ushered into the throne room of heaven, not on any merit of your own, not on anything you are ever capable of doing, but because Christ died for you and you're covered by the blood and you're able to immediately walk into the throne room of heaven and begin to petition God to communicate with him, him to communicate with you. You're able to open his word. He gave us his word. He gave us a love letter. It's a long one. And there's a lot in there. But he wants nothing more than to communicate and spend time with you. There is a fear there. You will, it's an awe. It's an awesome time. Uh, you will begin to realize how big God is. 
how small this world is. He said, fear not. He's talking about this world, but fear God and then fear him in the correct way. In fact, uh, let's take a look at Isaiah 11.3. It goes even farther. The 11th chapter of Isaiah, uh, the second and third verse go, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. And the light shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. I want to look at the uh, first statement of that third verse. It says, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. Delight here means a incense, a sense. It's a smell. And what it has to do with is a coronation. When I begin to study and see this, I'm, I have a little bitty office at home, but in my, in my mind, I was running around shouting, jumping off of things. Because I want you to see this. Fear and wisdom are the delight. And the delight is this. Jesus died for us. He redeemed us. We're his bride. He stands at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. They're three in one. And the delight is the smell. Well, let me tell you, the Holy Spirit, the third part of that trinity, is the very breath of God. And His delight, His smell, is our fear, our awe of Him. It, it just, to me, it got, and coronation, think about this. They're holding, <laughs> Jesus is a king, and he's coming back as that king. But there, have you ever, anybody ever watched a coronation? I'm the weird guy that would watch the History Channel when they play a little bit of that and seeing Queen Elizabeth when, I don't know, 70 years ago when they, I mean, they, they spent hours doing a coronation for her. It's unbelievable the amount of stuff that, that they went through to make her the queen. And that's nothing. The coronation that is being held up for us Christians to get there. They're not going to crown him king till we get there, till the last one of us are there in front of the throne. And they've given us crowns, and then we get to throw them at his feet. The one that died for us. The, I'm talking about fear the correct fear of God. The devil has taken this world and turned that upside down because I'm telling you right now, this world doesn't realize the awesome power that is our God. He's absolutely in control. There's not a politician. There's not a president. There's not a king. There's not a anybody that ever been put where they're at that God didn't allow it. He raises men up. And he takes them down. Yes, this is the most important vote in our lifetime. Why? Because it's the next one. But I'll tell you who's in control. They might not any of them live long enough to make it if God says they won't. He'll put who he wants there. My God. And I get to walk into his presence anytime I want to. I can read his word. He wants to talk with me. Amen. 
I get to spend time in his presence. Matters of fact, his spirit, that spirit we were talking about, if you're a Christian, it indwells you. It's in you. And if you're listening, it leads you. Fear? Well, fear. Who? Formula. I told you I had the formula. It's really simple. Pray, read, and obey. Pray, read, and obey. Formula to success. You can't fail. You can't fail if you accomplish those three things. Rick, you're right. You'll start giving things up. There's things that don't matter much. You start spending time. I'll just be honest with you. I I started, then I began to pray, and I'm slow, so I understand that many would make it much quicker than I did. But I can tell you that you can get on your face and begin to pray and spend time with God. And after five minutes, the devil wants to put you to sleep. After 10 minutes, 20, 30 minutes, you can't even remember. Let's just say this. You start spending time in prayer and spending it with God, and you'll forget about praying about your problems because they're really not all that important. You begin to trust God, and he's got this. He's got your problems. But I'll tell you what will happen. Like I said, I'm slow, but somewhere about the two-hour mark on my face, and God starts to do things in and to me and to communicate with me. There's not any fear of this world. There's just communication with God. I've watched him do things. I, he, he gives insight. We'll talk about that here in a minute. He'll begin to open his word. You know, I, I begged God, Lord, could you just take away everything that I've been taught? Unless I haven't been taught wrong things. But, Lord, would you just teach me. I want to just learn from you, from your love letter. Someday I'll get to be a part of your bride in heaven, and I'm pretty excited about getting there. There's not room for fear. And I've had threat of losing a job during those times. And during the day, I got a little bit worried. And then I got home, and I felt so convicted. I worried. Spend time on my face praying, God, forgive me for worrying. I know you've got this. You're in control. If it's your family, it's your job, it's your finances. Listen, let me tell you something. Your finances are not secure in this world and this time. Uh, I think they even made a TV show about the doomsday preppers, right? You can go out and bury Ten years. Listen, Christians did this, especially around Y2K. But I think that Christians start trying to stockpile stuff thinking, hey, if the tribulation, everybody worries about the tribulation, the tribulation hits, I want my family to be able to eat. I wouldn't count on that. I wouldn't count on that. You bury it out here in a concrete bunker, there may be an earthquake that destroys that, or a flood, or any number of things. It's not about that. God says, and in fact, 
let's go take a look at it. In Luke uh, chapter 12, verses 4 through 7. I want to talk about being fearless in the world. This is Jesus' words to us. And I love reading the whole Bible, but when it's Jesus' words, I really like to hear those. What, the greatest preacher ever, right? Let's hear what he says here in uh, Luke chapter 12, uh, verses 4 through 7. It says, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who after he has killed has the authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies and not one of them has forgotten, is forgotten before God? Why, even the hairs of your head are numbered. Some of us easier than others. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. God's telling us here, Jesus, straight from Jesus, tells us, fear not. Don't worry about it. Even the bodily threat. If they kill you, to be absent from this world is to be present in that world. I already told you, I'm kind of excited about going to heaven. And death is really not that scary. Listen, I'm not, there's, I, I don't swim. So if you throw me in a lake, I'll swim like a rock. I'm going to drown, okay? But I'm not afraid of dying. I just got sense enough to stay out of the water. <laughs> I'm not getting on skis, okay? Because <laughs> that's not where I belong. So I fell down, the water all might run away anyway. But the fact is, Jesus said to fear not. Don't even fear what can be done to you bodily. We are to walk without fear. We do not have to fear anything in this world. Let's look at Luke, uh, just farther on in that chapter, uh, verses 22 through 34, about 12 verses here. that say not to be anxious for nothing. You know, the whole world is anxious. It's fear. It's anxious. Anxiety is at an all-time high. Well, here's what Jesus had to say about it. He addressed it for us. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. Remember that doomsday thing I was talking about a while ago? God's got this. Neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, uh, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? If then you are not able to do a small thing as that, as that why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, 
which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. How much more will he clothe you? Folks, don't worry. We spend a life worrying. Of you, oh, you of little faith, and do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried for all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Remember that being in touch with God? He knows what you need. Even before you come and ask, He knows what you need. Instead, seek His kingdom, and these things will be added to you. I'll finish up in just a second. If you're here and you're married, or you've dated, or you've ever fell in love with someone, or you have a parent who gave you a nickname, Almost people have nicknames. Almost everybody has a nickname somewhere. Do you know that Jesus gave us a nickname? Because this is Jesus' words. Do you know Jesus gave us a nickname? Let me, let me share it with you. He said, fear not, little flock. We're just a little flock. That's what Jesus calls us. It says right here. Let me read it to you again. Fear not, little flock. That's our nickname. We're the bride. And the husbandman has given his bride a nickname. You're the little flock. How's that feel? You like that? <laughs> For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Wait a minute. He's gonna give it, you're gonna give us the kingdom? Hey, you know what? In Revelations is my favorite verse. You go to the third chapter, the 21st verse, talking about the Laodicean church. And it says, for those that overcome, I will allow you to sit on my throne as I have. And I'm excited about my turn to sit on the throne in heaven. It says it in the Bible. I think it says it more than once. But I can't wait. He says he's going to give us the kingdom. We get to be a part of it. There's a great day coming, let me tell you. Sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens, what that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys, and for where your, tre for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. 